This is the Skeptic Squared Podcast. A safe place to make light of sacred things. My name is Matt. And I'm Corinne. And in this program, we will be discussing current events related to religion, atheism, and skepticism. Our goal is not to insult believers, although that will probably happen from time to time, but rather to share our point of view on these topics in a way which will benefit and entertain others. Or maybe we just want to stroke our own egos. You decide. Welcome to the Skeptic Squared podcast. Today is Sunday, March 13th, 2016. And with, with me is my wife, Corinne. Hi. How you doing? Tired. Tired? Yeah. Yeah. Daylight savings sucks. Daylight savings is not a good idea. Nope. Mm-mm. Yeah. It always makes me really tired. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's enough uh, current <laughs> events. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So to start out, I have a fun story. This is from uh, the website rawstory.com. Okay. Um, I'm not going to tell you what the story headline is, because that'll give away too much. Okay. I'm just going to read what they have. Okay. Alec Diwane, I have no idea if I'm saying that correctly. Um, thought he was filled with the Holy Spirit when he decided to challenge lions at the Kruger National Park. So this is in Africa, in Ghana. Holy crap. Okay. The Zion Christian Church prophet was at the park with his fellow church members when, according to Ghana Web, he went into a trance and began speaking in tongues. Okay. Okay. So... This is not a very common thing in Mormonism. Um, It's something that we talked about a little bit, I think, last week, that it happened more in the early days of the church, but they kind of shied away from it because it was just a little too ridiculous and too over the top. But there are a lot of Pentecostal churches and a lot of evangelical churches that still do talking in tongues and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is what's going on. The group approached the pride of lions while they munched happily on an antelope. Oh my gosh. But that's when Diwani ran towards the lions. Why would you run towards lions? <laughs> He's filled with the spirit of God. Okay. Don't worry. He'll get to his explanation in a minute. He survives? <laughs> oh, just, just wait. Just wait. You're going to like this. Oh my gosh. Out of Africa, um, which is a group I'm not familiar with, lists humans as the major predator to lions. So it's no surprise that the lions took on the challenge. Once he realized what was happening, Diwani um, made, out, made an about face and immediately ran away. Unfortunately, lions are fast and fierce animals. And when one of the lions snapped her paws on him, Diwani sustained injuries to his, drumroll please, buttocks. That's funny. (laughs) Just like an antelope. Yep. The ranger fired his gun into the air to scare the lions off and rushed the prophet to the hospital where he underwent emergency surgery to ensure he didn't lose most of his buttocks. Holy crap. So here is his explanation. I do not know what came over me. I thought the Lord wanted to use me 
to show his power over animals. Is it not we were given dominion over all creatures of the earth? <laughs> he was eventually stitched up and discharged after spending the night in the hospital. <laughs> wow. So, what's the most ridiculous thing you've ever done under the Spirit of God? I haven't done much under the influence <laughs> of the Spirit of God. Yeah. Yeah, me either. Never done anything like that. Um, the only thing that I can think of was, uh, let's see, there were a few incidents on my mission where there were, um, like, skinheads that didn't really like us, and they, they would, like, taunt us or whatever, and we would just go about our business and not do what you would normally do under those certain so those circumstances if you were um, not under the impression that God was going to protect you. Right, because you're wearing your holy underpants. Right, and, and there was one incident that actually involved the guy drawing a gun on me, and still, like, I, I turned away, and I was scared, and I uh -huh. didn't want to draw attention to it, especially since we were on a crowded bus. But, uh, yeah, in, in my mind, I'm like, well, I, I mean... You were on a bus when he drew the gun on you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it was just... But I had this, this attitude of, you know, like, like I'm a missionary for God. Like, nothing's going to happen to me. And if it does, I'm just going to go to heaven. And, you know, it just right. totally changes your outlook. I mean, it's not quite as extreme as charging into a pride of lions. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it, when you think that God is going to protect you, you tend to make um, stupider decisions yeah, in I terms of your own that. personal safety, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. Or at least it can turn into that. Right. So anyway, I thought that would be a fun way to start. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty fun. <laughs> retarded. Yeah. Or sorry, I shouldn't use that word. Ridiculous. It's more ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, what uh, articles do you have? Um, well, mine aren't as fun as that. That's okay. This was, this is a, a rarity. <laughs> so the first one I thought we could talk about was this bill that's um, being passed in Utah um, right. that requires fetal anesthesia for abortions. Oh yeah. Um, basically, it's just this is in Utah. This is in Utah. Okay. Yeah. So the bill would require um, doctors that perform abortions one to tell their patients or the women that are um, that want to receive the abortion, that the fetus can feel pain, uh -huh. which has not necessarily been proven. In fact, it's like, from what I've read, it's more likely to be um, somewhere in the vicinity of 24 to 29 weeks where they right. finally start developing the pathways that register pain. Okay. Um, so a lot of the doctors in the area oppose the bill for that reason because they are essentially lying to their patients. Mm. Um and then it would require the anyone that is searching for an abortion over 20 weeks to get anesthesia in the mother. So the mother would receive mm -hmm. the anesthesia in the hopes that the baby or the fetus gets huh. the anesthesia. So they wouldn't even be applying the no, they're anesthesia not applying it directly to the fetus. To the fetus. It's to the mother. Mm -hmm. And apparently, um, I mean, I haven't done a ton of research into it, but apparently giving the mother anesthesia before performing an abortion <clears throat> makes it more likely to have, um, it's just more dangerous. It's more dangerous for a woman to receive mm -hmm. anesthesia before getting an abortion. What, what, what's the danger exactly? I, it doesn't really go into detail of that. I haven't done a ton of research into it, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But um, let me see. It just says it puts her at higher risk for complications. 
I don't know okay. what those complications are. But so things might go wrong. Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. So I mean, you're not put under an anesthesia when you have a baby. I mean, you know. Not necessarily. Um, the epidural right. is. The epidural. I mean, I don't know if that is technically anesthesia. I, I, I'm not familiar enough with the process or I mean, they like, well, the terms. Like, but, I know, I think with a C-section, they'll, like, numb the area or something, but you're still mm-hmm. awake. Yeah. So are they going to knock out the woman? I don't know. Okay. I should do more research on okay. that. But. <laughs> but, but I mean, the, the takeaway from this, of course, is that this is just one more example of um, the Christian right trying to discourage women from having, having an abortion from, from doing something the article says yeah, from doing something that's perfectly within their rights yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yeah. those, the, the bill that's been passing in a few States, I think like Texas and a couple others in the South have, have passed it where they have to get an ultrasound and hear the heartbeat mm-hmm. before they can get an abortion right. and, and those sorts of things. And, and it's all about making the woman feel, feel guilty. guilty. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. medically necessary. And the interesting thing, too, is that most abortions in the state of Utah happen before 20 weeks. Yeah. So it's not going to prevent that many more abortions. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like more, most of the abortions that happen after 20 weeks are usually because there's danger to the mother. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know there are the instances where people still get them, but I don't know. It just isn't going to do that much. Well, 20 weeks is what? How many months? Like five? five months, yeah, five months. Like so by, by that, that point, by you that point, know you're yeah, pregnant. You know you're pregnant, and you know more or less what you want to do with the baby. If you want to keep it, if you want to put it up for adoption or have an abortion, mm-hmm. like like most women, I think by that point, by five months, have made that decision. Mm-hmm. You know, and so yeah, it's just weird. It is weird. And the governor has to sign it first, and he doesn't understand why there's so much opposition to it mm-hmm. because. Basically, he just says it's preventing pain in, you know, a baby or a fetus, and everyone should be okay with that because it's preventing pain. But they can't prove that the fetus is experiencing pain. And they right. say, like, um, like a lot of people that are pro-life point to the fact that, like, babies will respond to pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's usually just, like, like, a reflex that they have no control over. Mm. And until they develop the, the pain right. pathways or more of a reaction called. than yeah. it is sentience. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's a reaction that they have no control over. Yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, and also twenty. If you are looking for an abortion over twenty weeks, now you have to get the approval of two doctors before they do it. Just more hoops. Yeah, it's more, hoops, more hoops for them to go through. What What is the cap for an abortion in Utah? Do you know? I don't know. Most states, I think, are like 24 or 28 weeks. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I'm not certain about it. I think it's 23 or 24. <clears throat> yeah. Well, we haven't really talked about abortion much. There's been a lot no. of a lot of stuff going on with Planned Parenthood, mm-hmm. um, especially since you know the, the shooting that happened a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, there were the, the videos that were you know supposedly leaked where they were... You know, supposedly selling baby fetus parts right. um, and making money off of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even after the people that made those videos came out and said that they had fabricated them to a certain extent and had essentially lied to Planned Parenthood about what they were doing and all this stuff. And then, and then apparently they're being sued yeah. or um, having criminal charges placed against them. <clears throat> 
because apparently even doing a, an undercover operation to buy um, fetal parts um, when you have no intention of actually buying them, it's still illegal. So well, that and they forged um, legal documents. Oh, did they? Yeah, like hmm. they had their licenses changed and stuff. So it goes beyond, uh, okay. fa- you know, editing mm-hmm. these videos. It's the whole thing was illegal, right? Yeah, and and then they said more or less that it, it that they had intentionally altered them to make it look like they were admitting to things that they weren't actually mm-hmm. admitting to. And even so, after all of that had happened, we still have presidential can- candidates saying that they had seen these videos about Planned Parenthood <laughs> buying and selling baby parts. And, arena. <laughs> right. And, and, and all that. It's, just, it's like, yeah, it's like, what, what state are we in? <laughs> yeah. My goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But politics is a totally different rabbit hole. And there's... All kinds of things going on right now with politics, but mm-hmm. I don't really want to get into it. No. Um, so is that all you have for that particular article? Yeah. Cool. Um, so let's move on. I have um, a little ditty from LDS.org. Not the... Uh, um, well, actually, I think it is from... Yeah, the that's the official Mormon website, isn't it? LDS.org? Yeah. Okay. And they have a uh, recommendation for people who don't have enough to do on Sundays, because as you know, Mormons like their prohibitions on Sundays to show that they are super reverent Uh and that they are obedient. um, Keeping the Sabbath day holy is how they frame it. Right. And so LDS.org has a Sabbath day bucket list. Okay. Okay. So these are things to aspire to. These These are just things to do on Sunday. Um, yeah, like it's not really much of a bucket list as far as bucket lists go. Right. <laughs> I was expecting, term. I was expecting things like, you know, going on, uh, like a trek kind of thing or going to like historical sites and all that kind of stuff. No, this is much more mundane. <laughs> like reading your scriptures and writing in your journal. Um, a couple of them. Yeah. So the first one, locate all the temples on a world map and mark them with pins. exciting (laughs) Um, write thank you notes to those who spoke in church what (laughs) (laughs) have you ever heard of that ever happening no I would feel so weird about getting a thank you note yeah Um, secretly decorate someone's front door with notes of appreciation young women do that all the time Mm mm-hmm um, the, the whole writing notes thing is a common theme in a lot of these. Yeah. Take a Sunday walk. That's pretty typical. I don't My family know, did that all the time. I don't know what makes a, a Sunday walk different from a regular walk. Well, I think a Sunday walk, <laughs> they're implying that it should be with your whole family. Yeah. I guess. But Throughout it's, I don't the know, week, it's just, it's just funny. That. It's like, let's have a Sunday pizza. Yeah. Let's have a, a Sunday, Sunday video game. <laughs> you know. No, you can't do that on Sunday. But if it's a Sunday video game, no, can't can't you? Like what you in, in my your family, avatar is Nephi. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you have to go through the Book of Mormon. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's what they should do. They should come up with a, a Book of Mormon themed video game where you can actually like play Ammon and hack off the arms of the Lamanites and then present them to the king. <laughs> Be the stripling warriors. Yeah, like Be there, there's, there's a lot of potential. Oh yeah, Tiankum, sneak into a tent Stealthily and stab somebody sneak in, in the heart. and stab two people. 
Okay, the next one is have a Book of Mormon readathon. Oh, gross. That isn't, is boring. Isn't that just like... Kill me now. Yeah. <laughs> readathon. <laughs> just makes you want to gouge your eyes out. Yeah. yeah. Just makes me want to fall asleep. Which, That's if you did, you could still do. get it on tape, so... <laughs> That's true. Just put in your earphones. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Make cookies and write a note to someone in your ward telling them what you admire about them. So another note. Yeah. Um, create an I'm grateful for list or poster. Yeah, these all sound like family will meet me activities too. Right. Yeah. These are just boring. Um, create a gospel quote book, write a family newsletter and email it to extended family members. Christmas. That's what Christmas <laughs> is for. Yeah, but you got, you can do it every week if you want to. Because <laughs> so much happens in your life every week. Yeah, isn't that what uh, Twitter and Facebook are for? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these are all things that you would do if you weren't already connected to your family. Just because mm -hmm. you don't see them doesn't mean they need a newsletter of your life. Right. They can look you up on Facebook. Yeah, and, and like the whole like writing a note thing. Again, yeah. you can just do that on Facebook or social media. Right. Mm -hmm. And then everyone gets to see it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes that person feel even better because yeah. then other people comment on it. Totally stroke their ego mm -hmm. and make them feel bad for having an ego. <laughs> <laughs> Write a giant letter to the missionaries from your family from your family on a large piece of butcher paper. Because <laughs> <laughs> a regular letter isn't sufficient. Right. <laughs> on a giant piece of butcher paper. Yep. Because they mm -hmm. assume that LDS families just have lots of butcher paper. Yeah. I actually got one of those on my mission. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no way. That's so yeah. funny. Yeah. From someone in your ward? From my family. Oh, okay. Yeah. Your family seems to like butcher paper. Yeah, they because do a lot of stuff like with At with your that. parents' yeah. house, wasn't there like a big Father's Day card or something mm -hmm. on butcher paper mm -hmm. <laughs> on the wall? That's yeah. funny. Um, have a family object lesson, lesson contest. What? Um, they explain. Oh. Have everyone pick one or two items around the house and come up with a story about how that item can illustrate a gospel principle. Holy gag me with a spoon. <laughs> Good gravy. This is terrible. This is why I hated Sundays and why I hated family home evening. Right. Because <laughs> it is so corny. Mm-hmm. And contrived. We, oh, it's awful. Yeah, we, we used to do stuff like this actually on my mission. And I came up with a lesson that um, used uh, ingredients to make a crepe to illustrate like the some some principles of the gospel. I uh, forget what it was exactly. But oh, but the the whole point was that we could use it as an excuse to meet with the members and eat crepes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so in the end, it was okay. Um, make phone calls to loved ones to let them know you're thinking about them. Again, Facebook is sufficient. Yeah. It, yeah. These are all just various ways to tell people that you like them. And to keep people off the internet. Mm-hmm. Oh. Write things down. Don't contact anyone over the internet. I didn't even put that together. Yeah. Yeah. Making notes, phone calls. Yeah. Yeah. Big butcher paper. Yeah. Mm. No internet and... No internet needed. Nope. <laughs> Keep your testimony intact. Yep. Study your family history and act out a story. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> Speaking of family history. This is so painful. <laughs> Speaking of family history. Um, so, so I'm reading a book that you recommended, oh, yeah. um, the complete heretics guide to Western religion, the Mormons, mm-hmm. which is written by David Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Great, great book. Mm-hmm. A lot of good information about it's Mormons. Very entertaining. It's very, yeah, it's, it's a fun book to read, mm-hmm. but I learned something about my own family history in that book. Oh, Parley P. Pratt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you know how he died? Oh, well, I read the book, so I should say yes, but I can't remember. So I didn't know this, but he died. Um, because he, he was a polygamist. Oh, he was trying to get someone else's wife. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He was trying to steal another man's wife, which mm-hmm. is something that Joseph Smith did and Brigham Young did all the time. Yeah. Was this while he was out on a mission? It didn't say. I think it, I feel like it was when he was out on his mission. Maybe. He went Somewhere on lots in the of missions. Midwest. Um, but the husband found out about it mm-hmm. and murdered, murdered him. him. Yep. That happened to my great, great, great grandfather. Yep. You won't hear that story coming from your mom. Nope. <laughs> Is it on your mom's side or your dad's My side? My dad's side. Okay. Yeah. You won't hear it coming from your dad then. Yeah. So that's fun. That is funny. <laughs> I remember reading that and thinking that I should text you about it. I oh, don't really? remember if I actually did or not. I can't remember. Because you, you read it like six months ago or yeah. something, right? It was a while Last ago. Last summer. It's almost been a year. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's so funny. I can't think of any stories of my family as pioneers. Yeah. That just seems like it would be, I don't know, really awful to try to reenact. Because like the, yeah. the things that the, the pioneers had to do were either awful or completely mundane. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, and I think uh, I'm guessing that that reason is because most of my family probably converted fairly recently. Mm. Well, your dad did. Yeah, my then, dad is like first generation LDS. Is, on and how, how far back does your mom's side go? I don't. I don't know. To be perfectly honest, I don't yeah. know a ton about my parents, my mom's side of the family. They don't like to talk about that side of the family. Mm. So something bad happened. I have no idea. <laughs> it was a different time. I mm. think I want to say that my grandma's parents were kind of abusive. I think that's why they don't talk about it. Uh, so, so I was right. Yeah. Something bad happened. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so are you prepared to be, um, well, to be uh, standard corrected? I'm not sure exactly how. Put in your place? I don't know. The, all this, the, All this talk about social media and writing notes oh, and stuff. Yes. Oh, yes. You ready? Excellent. Find gospel quotes to share on social media. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So but that it's still become, very directed. Yeah, so that you can make yourself a target. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, you are... Drawing that target on your forehead for that. Right. Yeah. But I will say, I Sundays are awful on Facebook because mm-hmm. everyone, like, the majority of my acquaintances on Facebook are LDS. Mm-hmm. And so I always get, like, verses from hymns or a scripture that they really liked in their mm-hmm. lessons or some random thought that they read in the enzyme. Like, it's, oh, it's awful. Yeah. It's like Facebook going to, on going Sunday to is church. terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like pictures taken outside at the church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, create a family motto and display it in your home. Yeah. My family did that once. I don't remember oh, really? what the motto was. 
What did, you, what did you do to display it, or did you display it? I don't even remember. I want to say it was just on a piece of piece of like construction paper or something, and we mm. taped it to the fridge. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing crafty like wood or anything like that. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. They this want you was to do. before my dad worked for Provocraft. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's much more crafty now. <laughs> He's much more crafty now. <laughs> um, this is one that we used to do all the time. Okay. Um, because again, my my parents were very strict about. Um, what you could or couldn't do on Sunday. Yeah, your family was a lot more strict than my family mm-hmm. was. But this is one that we could do, and okay. so I did it all the time. Look through family photo albums. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. And we also would watch like homemade movies and that kind of stuff, too. Yeah. Um, choose an article of faith to memorize. <laughs> one for the kiddies, right? Yeah, that's popular if you have younger kids. Mm-hmm. I think all of these would work better if you had a little kid. Yeah, well, that's the problem. That is why I started to hate Family Home Evening, because everything is geared towards you being like a child. Mm-hmm. It's awful. It's demeaning. Like, I just hated it. Yeah. It's, ugh. Well, that's the whole... That, that, that really is, I think, what Mormon, the Mormon church thinks of as a family. Yeah. You have the parents and little kids. Exactly. You know, Regardless they, of how old they are. Like, there are... Um, you know, lots of different aspects of the church that are very juvenile, mm-hmm. you know, and not just the ones that are directed directly at kids, mm-hmm. you know, like right. the way that they run activities, the way that they, you know, do a lip sync for, for instance, you know, a common activity. It's all very rated G and, yeah. and juvenile. It's rated G and, and you're not allowed to make the decision. Mm-hmm. It's you it, can, the kind, kind of thing you would idea. see on like that Hillary Duff show, you know, that, those kinds of things. <laughs> Lizzie McGuire? Yeah, probably. That's funny. Uh, I, I haven't watched the Disney Channel in like 20 years. So. Oh, Lizzie McGuire. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't one of my favorite ones. Okay. I actually remember my little little brothers and sisters liked that one. Megan really liked that one. Oh. I liked even Stevens better. Oh. Um, draw and deliver pictures to elderly people in your neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> Um, create a food storage plan. Why would the kids do that? I don't know. Invite, this is the last one. Invite a family in the ward you would like to know better to your home for a family fireside. (laughs) Could you imagine? My dad used to try and do that all the time. Oh, really? Yeah. When he was bishop? No, even before he was bishop. I think that's why he was bishop. Oh. Because <laughs> he's into this kind of stuff? Yeah, he really is into this kind of stuff. Like, we would <laughs> we would do, like, our own sacrament meetings. Like, when we went camping, he would mm-hmm. do devotionals all the time. Fourth of July is an awful holiday at my house. Is it? Yeah. It's just very godly patriotism, that kind of thing? Yep. And he mm-hmm. invites the entire neighborhood. We have a flag ceremony. He reads... Um. The Declaration of Independence and gives a little speech about it. Uh, One year he made me play the saxophone. It mm-hmm. was awful. What did you play? Star Spangled Banner? Probably the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> <laughs> Something patriotic. Yeah. Or My Country Tis of Thee. I don't remember. It was a while ago. I was like 10. I really need to pee. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dad's into that. Yeah. He likes that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my family didn't really do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we would get a bit preachy around like Christmas. We would reenact the uh, the what is it? The, the nativity. nativity scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we thing. did that for a while. Read too. Luke two. Yep, 
We do that every Christmas Eve as well. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm glad I don't live there anymore because <clears throat> I don't have to do that. In fact, the, the last time I went home for Christmas, I was an adult. This was like maybe two or three years ago, probably right before we started dating, I think. So probably three years ago. Three years, four years ago. And it was me, um, and I had just recently, within like the last year um, or two, told my mom that I stopped going to church and was an atheist, okay? And Megan, who had also told my mom within the last year or two that she was also an atheist and didn't go to church. And my brother Taylor, um, who was about to go on a mission. Oh my gosh. Okay. And then my parents. Like that that was who was at home for Christmas. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and we have like a big family. It's eight kids. Right. You know. So this is not a, you know, very many of the family. <laughs> and and my mom still made us do the nativity scene. <laughs> she made you act it out? Yes. Oh my gosh. My parents finally stopped because I re- me and Missy yeah. refuse to do it anymore. It's like, you can figure out how to do it on your own, but this is stupid. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun when I was a kid. You know? Yeah, because you're acting. Yeah. It's fun. You don't understand exactly what mm-hmm. you're saying, but it's fun because I'm wearing a bathrobe and a towel on my head. Right, and, and for us, the, the funnest position was always to be the donkey. The donkey, yeah. 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 Yep. <laughs> my yeah. family was small enough that we would have to play multiple parts. Yeah, we, we probably did too, but yeah, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> it, it is ridiculous. <laughs> to do that as with a, a group of adults. Yeah. Every, yeah. Uh, yeah. My, yeah, my mom weird. was just, I, I think my mom was just super nostalgic and yeah. loved the fact that we uh, had actually come home for Christmas. She was worried that not anybody would be able to make it home. Mm-hmm. And so she just, you know, wanted to do it because that's, that's what crazy. we used to do when we were kids. And So what part did yeah. you play? I can't remember. I was probably the donkey. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That is so funny. <laughs> Megan would have had to have been Mary. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's fun. I wish she had recorded that. Oh, we had some. Not that particular one. Yeah, I know. That's why I wish she had recorded that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, we, we recorded some from when I, I think I was in middle school. Yeah. <laughs> so what sorts of things were you allowed to do on the Sabbath day? Well, I, I already mentioned the photo albums mm-hmm. and the home movies. We could do those. Um, we could also make home movies, but that became more of a chore. Um, we could walk around outside as long as we weren't really playing games. But, I mean, if you're not really doing anything, what's the point of going outside? Right. You know, couldn't jump on the trampoline. I was, And in high school, I was big into jumping on the trampoline. It was one of my favorite things to do mm-hmm. when I wasn't doing some kind of kind, kind of extracurricular school thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we could nap, so we took lots of naps. Mm-hmm. Um, we could read. I don't think that we had any prohibitions on reading things that weren't church-related, but maybe. I don't know. It's been a while since I've been at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mostly, it was just really boring. We could play board games, um, which didn't always help with the boredom. Exactly. (laughs) Board games. Exactly. Um, Yeah, it was just very, very boring. Mm -hmm. And I had a few friends that were allowed to watch, um, like, Animal Planet, Discovery Channel, that kind of stuff. Oh, really? Um, And I was just always so envious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's educational. We can totally yeah. watch it. We're learning stuff about God's planet. Right. 
Yeah. <clears throat> but no, my mom didn't buy it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Which is too bad. Mm-hmm. So do you have another article? Um, yeah. This one, again, is not very fun. Okay. <laughs> this is also... You this have is, all the serious ones? <laughs> yeah. This one is just unsettling. So the title is Alabama Lawmaker Proposes Mandatory Castration for Child Sex Offenders. <laughs> so he's this is like the second time this um, state representative um, has been trying to push this bill through. Okay. Um, but it would mean that anyone over the age of 21 who commits a sex offense against a child 12 years or younger mm-hmm. would be castrated automatically before they left custody. And his thinking for this is that it will deter other people from committing these offenses. The the problem though, okay, maybe you get into this, but that's basically the article. Oh, okay. The comments are more enlightening. Mm. The, the, the problem though, is that even with um, a more extreme uh, crime, like murder, mm-hmm. we have the death penalty. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that doesn't deter everybody. No. It doesn't even necessarily deter most people. Right. Um, you know. Because no one thinks that they're going to get caught. No right. one goes out to commit these offenses mm-hmm. thinking, I'm going to get caught. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it, it still is a problem. Exactly. Um, I, I've actually thought about this this whole castration thing before. Um, I have an uncle who is a fan of the idea. He, he Apparently, he, he's, a, he's a big traveler. Okay, so he goes to different countries. He says that he's visited every country in the world. Um, and he's got enough money that he may have. I don't know. Um, and he, uh, he says that in some countries, um, when you have violent um, repeat offenders, they give them the option mm-hmm. after like their third offense or something along those lines mm-hmm. to either go to prison for a really long time, maybe life, or have castration. Um, the idea being that when you castrate a man, <clears throat> again, this is assuming that the person is a man. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Um, but, but when you castrate them, they don't have the same levels of testosterone. Okay, Most of the testosterone in your body comes from your testicles. When you cut them off, you don't get the testosterone. And that the, the idea being then um, is going to kind of suppress their violent urges. They're not going to be as aggressive physically. And... But with uh, pedophilia, it's not going to make them less of a pedophile. Exactly. They're going to find other ways yeah. to satisfy those needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't know what the real purpose is. And He wants to use it as a deterrent. That's the only uh, thing. And it would be mandatory, right? Yeah, it like, would be mandatory. Before this, the offender was released, he would mm-hmm. be castrated. And, yeah, and in the countries that my uncle says that this is a thing, the men are given the option. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like the, the whole idea of it being mandatory, that just seems crazy to me. Yeah. You know, for, for an offense like that. And, and I mean, it's, it's an awful, awful offense. It is. Um, and, I, and I have no problem with having harsher punishments, maybe something along the lines of, you know, life in prison, mm-hmm. you know, 25 mm-hmm. to life kind of thing. But taking a piece of their body as punishment. That's, right. that's some barbaric stuff. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and again, it doesn't illustrate, um, the, the, the problem that not all sex offenders are male. Exactly. You know? Yep. 
And I read through a lot of the comments, and most people didn't even touch that. But there was one comment that actually, like, was against this policy and, like, brought that up. It's like, what about the women? Like, you're mm-hmm. assuming that all sex offenders are men. And while right. women do have things that you can castrate, like, it's mm-hmm. geared towards the male population. Right. So. So I, I assume that this didn't pass. It hasn't yet. Mm-hmm. This is, I think, like the second time he's tried, and it didn't pass the first time, obviously. Yeah, but it, but it's still troubling that a person who is an elected official would even entertain the idea and, and that, try to push yeah, it. Yeah, and that people agree with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. the majority of comments, people agreed with it. Really? There was only one sound person that mm-hmm. didn't agree with it. I think a lot of that just comes from the the inherent anger that most people feel towards pedophiles. Yeah, and it yeah it is it is angering. Like I don't like those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that <laughs> I doesn't want necessarily them to be punished. Mean, but it doesn't mean I want to take their genitals off. Right. That doesn't mean that it's a, a just punishment. Right. Mm. Like I don't feel like that's moral. Yeah. Well, I, I think that under you know the Constitution, it would fall into the category of being cruel and unusual. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Probably. So. Yeah. Good grief. Yeah, it just ugh. yeah. I, I honestly, I would be more in favor of pushing for a death penalty than of castration. I think. Me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like just mutilating a person's body right. is not. It's not a just punishment. Right, and I think he thinks it is because mm-hmm. you know it's like this person did something sexual to this innocent person, <clears throat> took that innocence away, and right. now the equal punishment will be to cut off. Right. The thing that they most likely did it with. Right. Well, and, and that, I mean, it's just like in, what is it, Sharia law, where yeah. the whole idea of taking the person's hand is they use the hand to steal, steal something. It. Yeah, you cut off the offending member. Right. Yeah. And that's completely barbaric as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you it's know. just funny because a lot of Republicans are terrified that we're moving towards Sharia law with mm. things that Democrats are trying to get passed. But they don't under, they don't see their own laws. Mm-hmm. Like they yeah. don't. I don't know. They're completely blind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think I've mentioned before that Sharia law is the modern equivalent of the law of Moses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just painful to think about. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's about all I have to say about castrating pedophiles. Yes. Um, so the last thing that I have is an article from Zelf on the Shelf. Okay. Whom we we have talked about them before. Mm-hmm. Um, they they have a great blog. I highly recommend it. Um, and they have an article that came out February eleventh of this year. Okay. And it's titled 15 Things Ex Mormons Are Tired of Hearing." Oh, right. Okay. And I thought it was pretty interesting mm-hmm. uh, because you know you and I have both left the Mormon Church, and I've had a few. Um, pretty heated discussions with family members about why I've left the church and some of the things that they point out in in this article um, apply to me and some of my conversations that I've had with family members. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you haven't been quite as open with a lot of your family members. You've expressed that you have doubts, but you haven't told them exactly to what extent. Right. Um, so it'll be interesting, I think, to see if any of these relate to you um, in some of your conversations. So the first one is... You were offended and wanted to sin. Right. I don't like people assuming that I was offended because I wasn't offended. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. 
and, and, and I didn't leave the church so I could sin. That's that's the big Although one. Although my parents will think so. Right. I, and that's the big one for me is the whole idea that, that you just want to do things that your religion doesn't want you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, like why would I, for instance, okay, okay. So the, the, the go-to example that I often use for this kind of thing, Salman Rushdie, author. Okay. okay. When he left his religion, um, I think it was Islam. Um, they have a prohibition in Islam that you can't eat pork. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so he had never eaten pork. Mm-hmm. When he left that um, his religion, he ate a ham sandwich for the first time and realized he wasn't going to get struck down by God for doing so. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it just it illustrates the point that you know once you leave a particular religion, religion, those prohibitions are no longer sins. Right. They're just tenets of that religion. Right. You know. So why would you follow those tenets if you don't believe in that religion? Mm-hmm. You know. I think part of the problem, too, is that they confuse it with teenage rebellion. They mm-hmm. confuse leaving the church with that. Right. Because a lot of teenagers do end up leaving the church for yeah. a period of time because, yeah, they want to experience mm-hmm. these things. They want to know what it's like to drink. They want to know what it's like to do drugs. They mm-hmm. want to have sex. Yep. And they only they see that the only way to do that is by leaving the church. Yep. And eventually, like, they get kind of fed up with it and they come back because that lifestyle is really hard to maintain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then all of their indoctrination comes back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They start to feel guilty, and they're like, okay, I need mm. to change my life because I'm on a downward slope. Yeah. And then they think that that justifies, um, you know, the church's prohibitions. Yeah. You know, and it because, just reaffirms well, the testimony that they had. Right. Well, I, I got drunk once, and I had a really bad hangover the next day, and it's really expensive, so I can see why the church wouldn't want me to do it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it is really expensive, but that has nothing to do with why the church doesn't want them to do it. Right. Um, the, the second thing is um, the idea that being offended isn't a valid reason to leave. Right. I think that it is a valid reason. It is a valid reason. Like, for instance, when, when you and I started dating and I started kind of introducing you to a lot of things, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I remember really upsetting you mm-hmm. was Joseph Smith's polygamy and his <laughs> manipulative tactics of oh. coercing young women in mm-hmm. particular to marry him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were upset, like visibly upset <laughs> yeah. by learning about this information, you know, uh-huh. and that, and that's real. And that's, mm-hmm. and I think that discounting that is dishonest. Right. And I would definitely cite that as being the reason why I finally decided that it was time to look into this stuff because yeah. that was really disturbing to me. Uh-huh. But okay. So on the offending thing. Uh-huh. So I remember in my in one of my institute classes that I took, the teacher talked about I can't remember the guy's name, some guy in the church who had his name misspelled. And because of this, oh, yeah. he left the church because he was offended. Mm-hmm. And those are the types of like being offended that the church likes to use. Little things like that that, know, nor- that lots of people like wouldn't actually be offended by. Do you know the rest of that story? I I don't remember. I don't remember the name, but I know the story. Uh-huh. He wasn't offended because his name was misspelled. Okay. He wasn't offended okay. at all. The reason why he left was because he, he was mis, his name was misspelled in a revelation from God through Joseph Smith. Right. And that showed him that Joseph Smith wasn't a true prophet That's because right. he didn't know how to spell, how to spell his, his name. name. That's why he left. He didn't leave because he was offended that right. he misspelled his name. Right. I think that part was on Mormon Think, but obviously it's left out of yeah. when the church talks about it. Yeah, it's, it's like the, uh, the guy who left over the cream. 
Like that's right. that story that they uh, they always pull out yeah. every couple of years in general conference. Mm-hmm. The guy that left because his wife got in an argument over spilled cream mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. And and they leave out all of the other details about the things leading up to it right. and how the other lady had done this or that. And, mm-hmm. I, and I can't even remember all the details to it. Mm-hmm. To it. But when you really look at all of the stuff that was going on and the way that Brigham Young was taunting the man mm-hmm. and saying that he uh, he wasn't a good polygamist, mm-hmm. that just, that Brigham Young could get a, a newer, younger wife more quickly than he could, mm-hmm. like in church meetings, taunting the guy right. like that over the pulpit. Like, you can understand why this guy would just go, you know what? I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's those kinds of stories that they always turn to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they, so every me- the members just automatically assume that it's something silly like that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, in in this this one in this article they they point out that John DeLynn, mm-hmm. um, the the guy who runs Mormon Stories, mm-hmm. um, did a study where he found that wanting to sin and being offended were among the, the lowest. lowest of or the the fewest um, cited reasons for why somebody would leave the church. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the reasons fell into the category of um, questioning whether or not Joseph Smith was a prophet because of church uh, history issues mm-hmm. or um, epistemological reasons. Mm-hmm. Things like, is there really a God? Like, is faith really a path to knowledge? That kind okay. of stuff. Like those were the more common ones. Yeah. The idea of being offended or just wanting to sin was at the very bottom of the list. Yeah. Because, again, I think most of those are from, like, teenagers, mm-hmm. young adults, people that are trying to experience life that mm-hmm. they've been denied. Yeah. And not knowing how to cope with that. Yeah. Okay. Second one. Okay. History isn't what's important. History isn't what... You know, don't worry. If they, they want to use that argument for the church, they need to be okay with that argument. Like when it comes to the Constitution and stuff, like they can't use the Constitution. Mm-hmm. You know, they can't use America's history to say this hasn't been done before. Yeah. <laughs> to me, this is just a, a completely, you know, it's, it's a red herring. It's completely not re- not related um, because, I mean, on, on I guess on a certain level, the history isn't that important but when the foundations of the church are built on fraud and manipulation and lies and deception Mm -hmm. um and you can prove that um through like court filings Mm -hmm. and transcripts and that kind of stuff um then it does i think bring into question um whether or not joseph smith was a prophet yeah and while it is i guess technically possible that god could use um a weak person to bring about his church or whatever that of course is, is based on the idea that there is a God in the first place and they, and the Mormons again, as we've talked about many, many times, um, base all of that on feelings, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like it's based on the idea that their warm, fuzzy feelings that they get when they think about the good things that Joseph Smith did or the book of Mormon or the church in general, that is enough for them apparently to discount all of the bad things that Joseph Smith did, mm-hmm. you know, or to not really care if he did bad things, right. you know? Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think the history of Joseph Smith is really crucial. Is it? Yeah. For you? I do. Yeah. For me, it is. That's mm-hmm. ultimately, I would say that's why I decided to leave mm-hmm. because everything is based on what Joseph Smith said. Mm-hmm. And it's like I said, in an earlier podcast, they've got that 
circular reasoning where if Joseph Smith is a mm-hmm. prophet, the Book of Mormon is true. If the Book of Mormon is true, the church is true. Mm-hmm. As soon as you lose one of those, the other two are gone. Aren't, are gone. Yeah. And I, Joseph Smith being a polygamist, manipulating people, mm-hmm. uh, be, um, all the fraud, being a treasure mm-hmm. seeker, like all of that. Mm-hmm. It's like <laughs> this man cannot would not have been chosen by God. Yeah. That, that goes beyond being a weak person. Mm. You know, a weak person would be someone that occasionally has like the occasional vice, you know, right. but this guy was full of bad things. He yeah. was not a good person. Yeah. I, I guess I come at it a little bit differently because when I was, um, reconsidering my faith and looking at my doubts, uh, my doubts weren't really based on, um, Mormon church history. Mine were based on, you know, epistemology, mm-hmm. like, is there a God? Is yeah. faith good? Mm-hmm. Like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And when I came to the conclusion that there is no God and faith is not a path to knowledge, that just took everything, everything with it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And it took me longer to get to that part. Mm-hmm. And, and <laughs> in the back of my mind, I always clung to the idea that if I do determine that there is a God and that, um, you know, this and that is true, then you can justify some of the stuff some of the bad things in the history because the church is true. Therefore, mm-hmm. you know, it's the same old argument. You know, if the church is true, then all of this stuff is valid and there must be a good reason mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing, uh, even if we don't know what it is. You know, right. so I, I kept that kind of in my back pocket, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, uh, decided no, there's no God. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, third one I've heard every anti Mormon argument there is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> the implication being that they've heard everything that you have to say. They don't want to hear anything else. And and they uh and they still believe. Yeah. So why don't you? Exactly. You know. Um number four is similar. These arguments are nothing new. Yeah, that is similar. Um which is something that was it uh Elder Holland? Shared in his they, his talk, they say stuff like that all the time. Right, it's like these things have been flung at the church and at the Book of Mormon for two hundred years and since blah, its blah, inception. Blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and they discount all of the things that people are saying now. Mm-hmm. You know, like we don't have exactly the same arguments. Some of the arguments are the same, but right, even like the I ones, would say the anachronisms in the Book of Mormon are fairly recent. Mm-hmm. But even the ones that that do come from the early days of the church. They are refined and more sophisticated now. Exactly. There's more information. Now. There's more proof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you can't just discount them because they've been around for a long time, right? You know, right? That's that's a and a like fallacy. for an argument that's been around that long, don't mm-hmm. you think that you should have been able to disprove that argument? Right. Like it's been around for that long because there is legitimate evidence to mm-hmm. support that side of the argument. <laughs> it would go away if you could support the other side. But they can't. Right. I think they're saying that um, because it's been around for such a long time and the church is still here, right. that proves that the argument doesn't hold any water. Right. Because if the argument held water, the church wouldn't be here anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, again, it's, it's never that black and white. No. But the church wants it, it to be. Because yeah. people are leaving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Um, number five. This is a, a common one. Um, not just in Mormonism. This is something that comes up a lot just in talking to people about their belief in God. Okay. God's ways are higher than our ways. Ugh. We can't understand why he does what he does. Okay. Don't you know? 
Don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> How would you respond to that if somebody said that? Because it is a pretty common argument. It is a common argument. How would I respond to that? It's like if you were to come up with, uh, let, let's say that you and your parents finally did hash things out and you brought up some of your concerns with polygamy and your mom said, well, we don't, we don't know why Joseph Smith did the things that he did. We just know that he's a prophet of God and that God's ways are higher than, than our ways. And so God knows best. Well, that would be slightly infuriating, especially if we actually talked about the polygamy, because mm -hmm. why would God sanction 14-year-old marriage, stealing other men's wives. Like, none of that would be godly. Mm -hmm. They have a weird perception of God. Oh, but it's okay. a different time. <sighs> <laughs> this is why I don't want to have the conversation, because I'm not good at having conversations. Yeah. I never have been. You're just not comfortable with it? I'm not comfortable with it. I mm -hmm. never have been. Yeah. And, and I think, and I honestly think part it. of that is because of the church, because I've never known how to talk about it, mm -hmm. or how to voice my concerns or my doubts. Because you know as soon as do? you do that, you're targeted. <laughs> yeah. But you know what you should do to get some practice? What? Go on to mormon.org. And just write comments? And just uh, get into a conversation with some of the missionaries. Ugh. <laughs> missionaries. Just type it up. Just type it up. <laughs> that would be easier for me. Yeah. That'll at least get your foot in the door. Yeah. What would you say? What would I say to that? Um, that it's... It, it's nonsensical. It doesn't matter. Like you still have to prove that there's a God to, to have different ways anyways. Yeah, that's true, and the yeah. idea that God would have mysterious ways and his own set of morality. Um, and makes, not share that with us. Right. Is, uh, is problematic, yeah. you know, because he has a different set of rules that he, he, uh, operates by than what we go by. Right. And people still point to him as the arbiter of morality. Right. And then how can he be a just and merciful God if he's mm -hmm. living by yeah. his own set of rules? Exactly. I'm like, not sharing that. People, people often say that without God, you have more relativism. Well, God is a moral relativist. Yeah. His, his morals are his own, mm -hmm. you know, according to most traditions that I've heard, mm -hmm. you know. So all of the problems of moral relativism, you can't escape them just because there's a God. Right. Because God is a moral relativist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, okay. Number six. You should have talked to your bishop about your doubts. Nope, because my bishop was my father. And then in the singles ward up here in Provo, it's like I didn't even know the bishop. Mm -hmm. Just didn't really have a good rapport with anybody? No. Mm -hmm. That word was bad. It was not a good word. What was bad about it? Well, just no one tried to get to know you. Like, everyone knew each other already, even if they weren't already in that ward. You know what I mean? Like, mm. singles wards are very clicky. Yeah. Very clicky. Mm -hmm. And if you don't find a group to fit in with right away, you're pretty much by yourself forever. Mm. It, I, I hate the singles words. <laughs> the bishop didn't even know my name. Really? By the time I left, he still did not know my name. Wow. He would shake my hand, mm -hmm. ask me how long I'd been coming to church, mm -hmm. and what my name was every Sunday. Hmm. When I when I graduated, graduated from BYU, I moved um, to Orem mm -hmm. near... Uh, you, the uh, what is it Utah Valley mm -hmm. University and I was in one of their student wards mm -hmm. and I actually went to the the ward twice mm -hmm. before I decided to just walk away oh. so so this is the time when I was like like I'm just tired of Mormon culture mm -hmm. I just need 
a break a little bit, mm-hmm. and I was still trying to make that decision. That's one of the reasons why I moved over there, because I didn't know anybody, mm-hmm. so it would be easier to slip into inactivity. But I hadn't actually decided that that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I went to the ward uh, the uh, sacrament meeting twice, just mm-hmm. to check it out, see what it was. And when I went there, um, like I, I was early, first of all. So I was like the first person in the pews both times. And both times, nobody ever talked to me. Nobody sat next to me. Mm-hmm. The, the second time that I went there, I was literally the only person in a pew by themselves. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody else was with their groups. And every single pew was full, mm-hmm. except for mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. You know? Like none of the bishopric came and introduced themselves, like like yeah. elders quorum, ward missionaries, nobody. Mm-hmm. You know, they just let me be, and then I was like, okay, I'm just gonna walk away. Right. Like this place and, obviously doesn't welcome me. Yeah, and it's like on one level, like that's kind of nice, not being like bombarded with all of these new people, like um, trying to be friendly to you, you know. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it's like if this is really like an inspired religion, Mm -hmm. these people would know that I am struggling. Like someone out of this group of people would Mm -hmm. come and sit by me and just talk to me. Because sometimes that's all it takes. (laughs) You just need that little bit of companionship. And then it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, maybe this isn't so bad. I can give this a few more tries. Right. But yeah, it's like after two times of going and no one seeing that you're sitting by yourself, (laughs) no one sensing that this guy is struggling. It's like, okay, this is ridiculous. Right. Yeah, and then I had a really awkward moment at work. I was working at a treatment center, and one of the girls that I was working with, one of the staff, um, she was like, so, like, where do you go to church? Like, like you Mormon? You go to, you go to church? And I told her where I lived and where, uh, where uh, oh. my church meeting was uh, every Sunday and all that. She's like, oh, uh, I, th- I think you're in my ward. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's funny. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And and I just completely left it there. (laughs) And by this point, I hadn't gone to church in like several months. Right. (laughs) It was funny. That is funny. She was super uncomfortable around me Uh, from then on. (laughs) I bet. (sighs) Um, Moving on. Number seven. At the end of the day, I can't doubt the experiences I've had. Oh, okay. So again, the idea that your personal spiritual experiences are sufficient to determine that Joseph Smith was a prophet and mm-hmm. that there was a God and the Book of Mormon is true and the church is true and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Everything that comes with it. Um, number eight, there's evidence on both sides, so I choose to believe. <laughs> there's that choose to believe again. Right. This, this one reminds me of um, some of the comments that I got on Facebook concerning Boyd K. Packer Mm -hmm. and his remarks about the gay community. Mm -hmm. Um, And some people were saying, you know, that homosexuality being a choice is a mixed bag and all that kind of stuff. It's like, I've looked at the evidence on both sides and I choose this. It's like, no, you haven't. Right. You, you have not actually looked at the evidence. Right. Reading an article written by someone else on the other side doesn't Mm -hmm. constitute you looking at the evidence. Right. If you looked at the evidence, then you would agree with the American Psychological Association that, that homosexuality is not a choice. Yeah. And, and that, and that all of the things that Boyd K. Packer therefore said about being able to change your sexual orientation is problematic and Mm -hmm. is psychologically traumatic, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. 
Number nine, have you read, insert faith-promoting apologetic book or article? (laughs) (laughs) My answer would almost undoubtedly be no, because I could not stomach LDS material. Yeah. I've, I've grown a bit of a tolerance for it over the years, but early on in my um, journey out, I avoided it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, part of me, I think, was worried that I would regret my decision to leave and that, and, and you know, it's like when, uh, when you and I would go to your parents' place and after mm. after dinner they would insist on reading scriptures from the book of mormon uh-huh. okay and then there was that incident the last time that we did it like mm-hmm. a year and a half ago mm-hmm. when i was when we were reading part of third nephi when jesus is coming down and and talking about the little ones and and blessing the children and all that stuff and the angels come down and all this stuff and those were the verses that i was reading okay with mm-hmm. your family yep. and i got super uncomfortable mm-hmm. and i got mildly visibly irritated mm-hmm. and especially on the car ride home <laughs> right and and it's like in in my mind i know that that it's the indoctrination okay mm-hmm. but i'm still feeling the effects of it mm-hmm. sometimes you know you feel those things that they tell you to feel that they raise you to feel mm-hmm. and in my mind i know that it's psychological conditioning that I have conditioned myself to react a particular way to these things. Right. And that's what upset me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't mad because your family believes this stuff. Mm-hmm. I was mad because the church manipulated me at a vulnerable age and, and conditioned me psychologically to feel these things and then tell me that those feelings are God talking to me and that mm-hmm. this is true because of it. Right. That's why I was angry. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and that's why I became super uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, we were on our way out already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that kind of thing hadn't happened to me in in a long time. Um, yeah. Just and, and and I knew like even early on that there was that possibility of feeling these things again. Mm-hmm. But still, I, I knew that it was the indoctrination. Right. You know, it's like I don't want to feel those things. Those things make me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know. Anyway. Yeah, the spirit is an uncomfortable thing to feel. Yeah. In my experience. (laughs) Well, yeah, we talked about that last week. (laughs) I hated thinking that I felt the spirit. Mm -hmm. It was awful. Number 10, plenty of people, really intelligent people, have tackled these issues and still concluded that the church is true. Mm -hmm. You have to bend over backwards to do that, though. Mm -hmm. When you really start getting into the, the weeds. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love that they point, they try and point out that there are scientists out mm-hmm. there who still believe this stuff. And it's right. like, if you look at the statistics, statistically speaking, like 2% of scientists believe that mm-hmm. evidence is overwhelming <laughs> and favors the other side. Right. And, and there's actually a breakdown of, um, the way that that statistic, um, comes down. So the majority of people in was the National Academy of Sciences or, or whatever um, are non-religious, mm-hmm. and most of them are atheist or agnostic. Mm-hmm. But there's a, a few pockets of uh, doctors and scientists who tend to be very religious. Um, one group actually includes my dad, mm-hmm. OBGYNs, doctors mm-hmm. uh, who deliver babies and mm-hmm. work with mothers. Okay. Um, the idea being that them seeing life come to the wor- come into the world is faith promoting in, mm-hmm. in a way, right? 
And I can totally see why that would be the case. Yeah. The other one is engineers. Um, because they see oh. everything as being designed and mm-hmm. mechanical and working in a particular way because mm-hmm. somebody um, designed it to be that way. Mm-hmm. You know, And so... Yeah, so again, it, it lends those people to seeing intelligent design, um, and therefore God. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. Um, Eleven, read this fair Mormon article. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do you want me to tell you what I think about it afterwards? Right, that's the thing that I always think, like, when they, when they do offer that kind of stuff. It's like, if I do read this... I reserve the right to tell you what I think about it. Yeah. You know, do you really want to have that conversation? Exactly. And, and I've actually started a few conversations like that. And a few people have actually backed away. Um, in particular at work where they say, one, one person in particular said, um, Matt, you need Jesus. <laughs> and I said, do you really want to have that conversation? <laughs> <laughs> Was it a staff? <laughs> um, supervisor. Oh, oh, that sounds like her. Yeah. And she said, no. (laughs) Uh. Yeah. Number 12. You slash they are just bitter. I am bitter. Yeah. 25 years of my life Mm -hmm. for that church. Yeah. Well, it goes back to the being offended thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I would say, I wouldn't say I'm offended by the church. Mm-hmm. I'm bitter towards the church. Okay. Like, I didn't leave because I was offended. Mm-hmm. So you would identify it more as being bitter? Yeah. About And And I didn't leave whatnot. because I was bitter. Like, mm-hmm. the bitterness has happened more recently. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's come with time. Mm-hmm. Realizing that, holy crap, 25 years of my life for this church, I could have lived a completely different life. Yeah. I could be a completely different person. Yeah, with a lot less baggage. Mm -hmm. I could be at a completely different point in my life right now than I am. And it's like I have to, I still have so many things to work through that Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to work through that are holding me back in other areas of my life, Mm -hmm. you know? That are solely caused by your association with the church. Yeah. Because Mm. everything in your life revolves around the church. Mm. So extricating that from every aspect of your life, like it's hard. Yeah. Especially because a lot of the time you don't realize that it's still part of your life. You have any examples? Uh, Not off the top of my head. Okay. That's fine. Um, I think I've said everything that um, I want to say about that kind of stuff. Because to me, it, it's still very similar to the idea that being offended is not a reason to leave the church. It's mm-hmm. like, well, it, it's still a valid reason, I right. think. Yeah, so. it is a valid reason. I mean, depending on the offense. I mean, it, it's a valid mm-hmm. reason if you want to leave the church regardless of the reason. Right. But I would, I mean, maybe some offenses are kind of silly, but it probably stacked mm-hmm. on top of other things. It's never just one thing. Yeah, that's true. In my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's not just one thing. Yeah, and and that's where the concept of the shelf comes from, mm-hmm. where in in Mormonism, ex Mormons will will often say that, you know, they, their shelf broke. Yeah. So when they have a doubt, for instance, a common one is problems with the Book of Abraham being an authentic record, mm-hmm. okay, or the Book of Mormon mm-hmm. having anachronisms, mm-hmm. or Joseph Smith being coercive towards young women. Mm-hmm. They put it on a metaphorical shelf, 
and say, someday this will be explained. God will give me the, the right answer right. that puts this in mm-hmm. perspective that I can still hold on to the church being true. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they just keep putting more and more things on that shelf until eventually they've got so many things that go unexplained and just, and they're just bad, just, just bad for the church and mm-hmm. bad for the person's view of the church that finally that shelf breaks and they can't justify going to the church anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, number 13 you have an anti-Mormon agenda. <laughs> no. That was just funny to me. If I had an anti-Mormon agenda, I would be actively trying to get my family out of the church. Hmm. Well, this one is trying to place uh, a bias on people that leave the church. Right. And saying that, you know, the, the reason that they are so against the church is because... Well, I mean, they list all these other reasons, but the reason why nobody should take you seriously is because you have a bias against the church. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, but you have a bias against people outside of the church, too. Right. Why does that make mine obsolete? Right. And why is anything that is not faith-promoting anti-Mormon? Right. You know. <laughs> because it doesn't promote faith. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Duh. The answer was in the question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number 14. This is a very, very common one. You can leave the church, but you can't leave it alone. Mm-hmm. So take that. <laughs> well, I mean, that goes back to how much time you spent in the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And, and I, I remember writing a blog post about this a while back. And they, I mean, they use this as an argument to belittle um, people outside of the church who leave, who leave the church, mm-hmm. um, you know, trying to make it sound like they're being juvenile or whatever, and um, they're not being mature enough to just leave it alone. Right. The problem, though, is that, as we've talked about, a lot of people feel animosity, they feel offended, bitterness, okay? They feel these negative emotions. And the reason that they feel these negative emotions is because in in a sense, they have been abused by the church. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like there's a reason why they feel these things. And when you, when you're a victim of abuse, um, a lot of people, um, who are victims will try to actively fight abuse. Okay. It's why so many people, so many of the kids that I work with at my treatment center, um, say that when they grow up, they want to be a therapist Mm -hmm. or they want to be a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's because they want to help fix the problem. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's the same thing with people who leave the church and yeah. who feel, who feel um, you know, animosity or bitterness towards the church for the things that they did mm-hmm. um, because of the way that it affected them negatively. Right. And they want to spare other people that same kind of grief. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. It's not juvenile. I think it's the opposite. Yeah. You know? I think it, it shows a level of maturity to try to help people um, not have to go through that same kind of stress and turmoil, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. because it does have a psychological toll going through a faith crisis, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. agreed. I have nothing to add. Okay. 15. I think this is the last one. Okay. Nothing will convince me that Joseph Smith wasn't a prophet and that the church isn't true. Fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can believe it all you want, but don't judge me because I don't. Mm-hmm. 
And that didn't work for me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, again, it, I don't know. It's the, I have a problem with this whole idea of, of convincing people. You know, the, the idea of missionary work, for instance, is just arrogant, um, going around, challenging people's beliefs, telling them that they're wrong, mm-hmm. all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Like I am, I'm perfectly comfortable with having those conversations if the, the other person wants to have a real conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but very often they just want to either convince you that you're wrong or that they're right mm-hmm. and that you should join their church, you know. Right. And so it, it becomes very agenda-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it... In a lot of in a lot of cases, in my experience, in my experience, that becomes um, less productive um, when it's just you know two people trying to tell the other person that they're wrong. Um, mm-hmm. um, but we can talk about things like epistemology, how you know what you know, whether or not the reasons that you claim are the reasons for why you hold your beliefs are valid. Why you know why feelings are enough to say that a church is true, for instance, mm-hmm. um, whether or not that is a legitimate thing. You can talk about logical fallacies. You know, those, those kinds of things I think are a little bit more productive than trying to convince somebody Joseph Smith wasn't a prophet because he was a polygamist. Right. You know, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it doesn't work the other way either where trying to say to somebody, you're just mad because you don't have a, a real testimony. Right. Or you need to just... Give jo- Brother Joseph a break mm-hmm. because, Ugh. you know, God, God, uh, uh, you know, allowed him to do that or mm-hmm. he was using him even though he was a weak man. Mm-hmm. You know, those kinds of those kinds of things will never convince the other side either, no. you know. Mm-hmm. And then and then you have the uh, the Fox News problem of people <laughs> just yelling past each other. Right. And they think Calling that people's names. Right. And they think that, you know, he who yells loudest wins. Right. And that is. That's not how things work. You know? And you'll just be incredibly frustrated if you go through life having those kind of, of conf- confrontations, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. If you had taken that approach mm-hmm. with me, I would still be in the church and we would not be married. Right. Because you would have gotten super defensive. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. That, and that's exactly why it's problematic. Mm-hmm. They just get in more and more entrenched in the idea that their church is true mm-hmm. and that you are working for the adversary, yeah. working for the devil. Mm-hmm. And initially, internally, I was very defensive, like when you started introducing things to me. But then it was like, after I thought about it, I was like, mm-hmm. he's not forcing it on me. Mm-hmm. It's still my choice. It's mm-hmm. like if I ever say that I'm uncomfortable, he turns it off. Like it's yeah. you're not force feeding it to me, and that was different to me. Yeah, it's like okay, let's give this a chance. Mm-hmm. And then holy crap, yeah. this is starting to make sense. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's all I got. Okay. Do you have anything? Anything else? Um, I think that was a good thing to end on. I don't cool. think we need to talk about anything else. Cool. Yeah. Well. That's our show. Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us, you can email us at skepticsquaredpodcast at gmail.com. You can check out the show's blog at www.skepticsquaredpodcast.blogspot.com. You can rate us and review us. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can rate us and review us on iTunes or any of the other platforms that you might find us. Um, and we will see you next time on the Skeptic Squared Podcast. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye.